0: This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. I'm Samir nur Mohammed, a professor of management at Wharton. And I'm joined here today by Reggie Love, a former special assistant to President Barack Obama. Reggie's here to talk about his new book, Power Forward, My Presidential Education, Reggie, welcome back to Warden. It's a pleasure to have you here.
1: Samir, thank you for having me. I I appreciate you bringing me on today. I heard about
0: your book a few weeks ago when it was featured in USA Today. And after reading the book, I just came away thinking that you're such a sponge, whether you're around Coach K, who's like the most winningest coach in college basketball history, or President Barack Obama, or any other leader. You just seem to suck up knowledge and reflect on your experiences. Where did that ability come from?
1: Uh, you know that that's a great question. I, I will I always say that um, I was a younger brother growing up, and so my brother Richard, he's uh, four years older than me. And uh, the thing that I always learned that if if I didn't want to get a spanking or if I didn't <laughs> want to get grounded, it's like do the things. That he didn't do <laughs> and so uh, uh, that's really where it started but I mean look I think I have just was fortunate enough to uh, to spent so much time with two guys who took the time to to mentor me uh, you know in so many scenarios um, you can work with people uh, that you know, that aren't necessarily as invested in the development of the people that are, are around them. And, you know, and I was lucky enough in which, you know, I think Coach K uh, is uh, is uh, the epitome of what uh, collegiate athlete, athletics should represent and how he grows young men uh, into, into, you know, into men, into productive members of, of the community, whether or not that's basketball players or analysts or, Lawyers or hedge fund managers. Uh, if you look at the pedigree of of of, of professions of people who've come uh, from Coach Kate's uh, tutelage, it's pretty it's pretty impre- impressive, and and the president as well. Um, I I think that that's something that's really you know an amazing uh, attribute that he has. Uh, you know I think that sometimes you work for guys in politics and they try to figure out how to convince. Their staff to stay as long as possible, um, but in the scenario working for him, even when I left, uh, you know, I think he, you know, even said to me, you know, look, I think you're going to go on to do great things, and you know, any support that I can give you in your development, you know, I'm there for you. So I, I'm, I, I more, I'm just lucky uh, that people have been willing to put, uh, you know, inputs and in, and in, and uh, and in mentorship into me versus uh, uh, vice versa.
0: Yeah, so you know, one thing that really stood out in the book too was your your decision to go work for the then Senator uh, Barack Obama before he became the national icon that he is of course today. Um, when we think about our students here at Warden especially, we think about a lot of them. They have these you know really established paths in front of them, and it really stood out to me that you kind of chose this more unconventional route. Did you ever doubt that decision? And if you ever did, what did you kind of say to yourself to to ensure that you know you were on the right path and you really believed in it yeah I,
1: I you know um, there's a there's a couple funny sayings I think the first one is um, you know my college football coach used to tell me this is look uh, you know you're gonna make uh, you're gonna make the wrong play often um, but if you make the wrong play uh, full speed you know that's better than uh, making the right play going at 50% um, and I think that's like a very telling uh, uh, element because we spend so much time trying to get everything exactly right. It's like I want every piece of data that I can get before I decide to make a decision. And until I get all of those data sets out there, I'm not going to take a decision. And so, you know, uh, you know, it's like uh, uh, the running back who runs into the wrong hole. If he's running full speed, even if it's the wrong hole, sometimes he pops out. Uh, but if he's running in the right hole. And he's running half speed, he gets like a concussion. <laughs> um so look, when I made the decision to go work for then Senator Obama, I I there were a couple of things that were going on for me. Um one, I kinda said to myself, look, um I'm twenty-three. My my hopefully my my runway is relatively long. Uh if I if I make the wrong decision today, you know, I've got a lot more time in order to recorrect that that uh that wrong decision uh versus doing something that's a little less risky or has less downside uh for a significant amount of time and in, in which you come out of it and you know you haven't had a a bad experience but you haven't you know you have you haven't gotten away from sort of uh, the mean um so you know I think when you're young I think you got to have a happy a healthy appetite for risk um I don't think that just, it was. A, I don't think it was a huge risk in the sense of, you know. Uh, I think my decisions were between going to work at Goldman Sachs and going to go work for a guy whose no one name they could pronounce, and and I really thought that both uh, both the jobs were going to be a win for me because, you know, either I would go to finance and and learn and you know have an opportunity to have a Great earning potential, or I would go work for someone that I really admired and respected, and and someone who I thought that I could grow and learn from as well. Um, but I and, and the other and the other piece of it too is that I, I did feel a little. I wasn't one hundred percent sure that I was ready to stop playing sports. I'd spent a lot of time like playing football. I, I kind of thought I would always be like a professional athlete. That was sort of, you know, you know, that was like the. I thought that was the end zone for me, and. Um, uh, And when that didn't happen or when I realized that that wasn't necessarily the best use of of my time, I I was sad about it, you know, and I wasn't like super, super happy that I'd been training and playing for, you know, a decade and a half and that it was going to come to an end. Um, But, you know, I think it was, it was definitely, uh, you know, it was definitely the right decision. I want to touch on the subject of race because it's something that
0: comes up in the book and you know, your book revealed that there were those in the African-American community that were some of Obama's harshest critics, especially early on in the campaign. Um, you know, you said something that they saw him as not black enough. Yeah. And it, and it really struck me. And to you, what does not black enough mean for those climbing the corporate ladder today? And, and what kind of information did you get from the president mm-hmm. that are, you know, people in the African-American community here at Warden or even other minorities can use? To kind of think about that experience and and kind of figure out how to travail some of those challenges that they face.
1: Yeah, I mean that's like a I, I write that um, chapter and it's like you know uh, it says all layups aren't easy, um, and that is the example I use mainly because uh, the, the 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 premise behind it is that you know you don't want to take uh, the thing that's in front of you that's for granted, right? Um, but as a as a as a culture and as a society, look, I think race is something that's so very very prevalent and I think it varies from you know uh from politics to corporate settings to um uh to sports to growing up as a you know as me as a young african American in the south um yeah I think it's something that is a it's a delicate issue um the biggest things that I always say is that uh, as a, as an African American, um, I feel like I have more opportunity today uh, than my parents and grandparents ever had. Um, did I ever feel like I had every single opportunity available to me? No, not so much. And you know, and I think I think the biggest thing that I try to do, which you know, may be wrong or may be right, is that I try to spend less time. Uh, focusing on the things that I don't have and more time focusing on the opportunities and things that are in front of me. Uh, And sometimes that's like hard to do because, uh, you know, I remember growing up, I went to a small private school, you know, Providence Day. And I remember then like the tuition was like, it was like $16,000 a year. And I was like, where, who can afford this? And, and, uh, you know, I, my parents, like were very middle-class and uh they didn't have a Lexus or a Mercedes or a big house or any of those things. And um and you know, and I, it would have been very easy for me to say, you know, look, this isn't fair, or, you know, I, you know, I want what they have or you know, but I think that at the same time there were like people who lived in the neighborhood that I lived in that had half of what we had. Uh so it, it's when you look at race as a whole, um, and I think, and in race, and you can go for race, and can be substituted with gender, with sexuality, uh, with uh, you know, socioeconomics. Uh, I don't think that I don't think that there's like a silver bullet or a silver. There's no cure all for the different ways that we're viewed. I think we just, as a culture and a community, we need to have open hearts and open minds as we continue to grow. That you know, everyone. Out there has a story to be told, has value to, to be added to whether or not it's a business or to the creative process, to a university, to an organization, uh, and you know if we continue to try to do that, I think we grow as a country. So, what's one lesson that you want
0: our students and alumni to take away from from your book and your experiences? Uh, um,
1: I, I think the the biggest lesson out there uh, that I that I um, that I write about is. Um so when I was when I played at Duke, I was a very um I was a utility player. Everyone thinks that I was like the star because I was <laughs> a captain at for the Duke basketball team. I was like I was a captain as a senior, but when I was a freshman, I was a walk-on. I never thought I was gonna get on the court. Um and there is value to be had in like in the small things. You know, every every um scenario that you're in is not gonna always be uh, exactly how you envision it, or exactly what you want it to be. Um, when I played at Duke, I would have much rather been like JJ Redick or Shane Battier and like National Player of the Year and leading scorer. But I never was. But I got. I feel like I got just as much value as having been a role player there as the guys who were superstars. And um, And the same way when I worked on the campaign and in the White House, I was never, like, a chief of staff or legislative director, um, but I feel like I learned uh, just as much and had just as a significant experience for me personally to have been there just as a personal aide and not the guy who's, like, writing the legislation or deciding who's going to go in to kill bin Laden or any of those things. So, you know, I think sometimes, you know, there's a... there. There's a lot of value to be had in things that don't necessarily seem as sexy and as cool uh, as as you may want them to be.
0: For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.